This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. I'm Chris Knudsen, your host for today's episode. I trust this finds you doing exceptional wherever you are, whatever engineering project you're working on. In this episode, I have the opportunity to talk with Joan Gracie, a career strategist, success coach, and a business growth expert who's made it her mission to embark on a self-directed educational journey in order to better understand how to leverage workforce behaviors and motivators in a way that breeds success and innovation. So we connected a few months ago and had a great conversation that led to this interview about what it takes for employees and employers to create an environment of success. So we're going to hit on the importance of knowing what you want from a company you might work for and viewing that relationship from the perspective of an entrepreneur to the importance of engineering firms' strategic planning, spelling out deliberately the talent the firm needs to be successful in executing and winning more work. And so we cover a lot of ground in this episode. And if you're looking for a new job or you're hiring new talent, this episode is one worth listening in its entirety. But before we move into the main segment, I want to recognize today's episode sponsor, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. So use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code COACH for a 20% discount. I want to give you a quote related to today's topic, which is going to bring us into the main segment. And this one comes from Arthur Ashe. One important key to success is self-confidence. An important key to self-confidence is preparation. And with that, let's initiate the main segment. How an entrepreneurial mindset shift will bring you engineering career success with career reformist and growth business coach, Joan Gracie. Now it's time for the main segment of the show, and I'm joined today by Joan Gracie, the heart and soul of APA Solutions, a human capital services and solutions company. Now, she spent the past three decades helping growth companies identify, retain, and develop talent, as well as helping job seekers improve their outlook, also known as opportunities. She's also the founder of Career Reform, which helps job seekers build sustainable careers, and has recently published her first book, No More Bad Advice. Whether she's traveling as a keynote speaker, attending another neuroscience course to better understand employer-employee dynamics, or writing for the Buffalo News, Joan's passion remains the same, to get employers and working and non-working professionals speaking the same language. And the show notes for today's episode are going to be at engineeringcareercoach.com. They'll contain, as they always do, a summary of the key points discussed, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books that are going to be mentioned during the show. And again, you can head over to engineeringcareercoach.com, look for this episode, and that's where you'll find all the goodness. Joan, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I've been looking forward to joining you today. Yeah, so we had a really great conversation a couple months ago, sort of as a a scene setter for today's show. 
And we, we covered a lot of ground in that call. Unfortunately, most of the listeners could have been, if they could have been fly on the wall, they would have had a, had a great uh, opportunity to hear some really wonderful information, which is really, set, again, set the framework for us being able to do the episode today. And when we talked before, we dived into a couple different areas. One of them had to do with regards to this mindset of the entrepreneur and a shift in the definition of an employee with regards to an organization or company. We also looked at it from the perspective of the workforce or the, uh, the company owner. And so I, I want to start off first by looking at this really from the perspective of that company owner and asking, you know, what are employers demanding of today's workforce in general? And maybe if you have any experience or maybe some specifics about what they're looking for from technically focused professionals like engineers, that'd be outstanding as well to hear about that. Yes, uh, very much so, because the bulk of what my firm does tends to be engineering related, whether it be in a classic engineering type firm working within the confines of manufacturing, whatever the case may be, we spend a great deal of time in, in that particular space. And I feel confident that I can answer your question in a twofold manner, in that Today's employers are looking for an individual in the workforce that is representative of a strategic mindset, a self-empowered mindset. You know, I think to my father's day and how my dad was incredibly engaged with the owner of his company and how we attended picnics and events. And there was definitely that very, very solid connection. And I see today owners and entrepreneurs and leaders that are incredibly taxed with the new rigors of this very demanding economy. And because of that, they cannot take care of individuals. So they are looking for those people that have had the wherewithal to look at their career in a more strategic manner than they've ever looked at their career before. So no longer are employers defining these most important decisions for the employee and the job-seeking population. Instead, they're looking at and looking for those people that very systematically have plotted out steps of evolvement purposefully. Their career has not happened to them. They have happened to their career. And every role they take, every job they decide to engage in, is done so because it enhances their toolbox, enhances their ability to thrive and contribute. That whole status quo mindset is going to be a career killer for individuals. That's a huge point because what it immediately makes me think is that in order for you, you know, in order for someone to avoid getting into that kill zone, that they, they have to be, have a pretty darn clear vision of what it is that they want to achieve in their career or they're going to be they are going to be stuck in that you know kind of that hamster wheel of having to have somebody else to find that for them do you see that the same way or or am i missing something without a doubt and i think again you know when i always look at the scientific piece of this and i'm going to credit engineers for forcing me to go scientific because <laughs> they wanted to better understand you know Joan how I've got this amazing left brain and I'm thinking very much in patterns and very logical. And you're basically sharing with me a more obscure idea. And I needed to better understand the neuroscience of how the brain interprets information 
how I could leverage that knowledge into a career planning mechanism. So it's given me the opportunity to be able to say to people that have a more difficult time thinking, and I hate that term out of the box, but I'll use it more obscurely than traditionally they were born to. Because again, remember, our forefathers said you went in, you took a job, and you stayed there, and you were happy for that consistent paycheck. But as you look at the history of of how we've evolved as mankind, that really dates back to a fear-based way to build a career based on the bread lines and depression and things of that nature. Well, we're not that same economic time. And now it's up to us as individuals to enhance our toolbox in ways that are going to be personally rewarding, but also can contribute to the general health, well-being, and advancement of a company. I mean, I'm a prime example of that. I've been in the identification and recruiting space for two decades. But I went on a journey to unlock the mystery of why employers screw that up after going through such an arduous process to identify people. Why aren't they retaining them? Why aren't they developing them? They call them the most important asset. They just don't treat them like it. So it's led me to this discovery process of understanding how employers are looking at employees more like partners and how employees have to look at themselves more like partners. A company doesn't get to maintain a status quo and an employee does not get to maintain a status quo. And when you stop learning and when you stop growing, what you do is you start to put yourself in an incredibly threatening space. And that is you will be outworked and outlived from a position. Don't confuse tenure with you being a contributor to an organization. Does that make sense, Christian? Oh, it makes it makes perfect sense, and and we could almost have a separate episode in and of itself on you know that whole concept of tenure. Yes. But I guess one thing that you mentioned, I just want to pick this one apart a little bit more. Again, it comes from the perspective of a company owner. So all of us are well aware of the fact that there's so many competing factors for our our time. And like what I even like to say, just our bandwidth, our ability to be able to really contribute and to be able to invest not only in work, but even in our personal lives. I mean, we just have a lot of different, every one of us has lots of different things going on. So if employers are looking for employees to be more engaged and to have more of a partner mind frame and have a very clear understanding of where they fit in the world, where they fit within the organization of where they're going in their professional career, if that's what they're looking for and there's a gap What are some of the ways that an employer can help to fill that gap or to develop those types of planning skills in their employees? And after they've built those, you know, what are some of the benefits that they're going to realize, you know, having that employee or even a stable of employees that are operating at that level? That's a great question. So let me, in turn, pick that apart a little bit. First off, I, I think it's unrealistic in this economy that we have made an ultimate determination about where we want our career path to go and develop. Because if we make that ultimate determination, we will miss incredible opportunities along the way. You know, one of my favorite stories is a is a woman that I've I've recently placed who who started as a nurse was pushing a cart down one of the hospital floors and looked down the hall and said, I don't want to continue to do this. Went back and became an attorney 
and leveraged her skills in nursing and the law to become a consultant, ended up being fascinated as a hobby in the information technology realm and utilized that software in a way that could blend into both her legal and medical capabilities. And I recently placed her within one of the top growth companies in Western New York, and she is 71 years old. That's amazing. So it's an important because here's a person that no matter what knew that she had the ability to leverage these skills in a multitude of different ways. And guess what? Industries. Yeah. And she wasn't afraid because fear is what stops us so much from making the necessary steps towards empowerment. And the best way to alleviate fear is through knowledge, is through power through enhancing your skill set in any way possible. And for an employer, when we look at the great employers, the, the textbook brands, when we look at the Googles and the Microsofts, what you will consistently hear from them is that we hire for talent, we train for skills. And when they see that nucleus that they can work with and hone and grow, they capitalize on that because what they know is that Losing people costs a great deal of money. Disengagement costs a great deal of money. All those variables that make up the human capital experience, we need to get right. And if we do, guess what? We don't need nearly as many clients for the business that we're in because we've just saved so much money on the back-end operations because our internal customer and employees are so darn in tune or lean, as we fondly refer to, that our external experience will grow accordingly. So smart employers, smart owners recognize that a human capital, highly engaged workforce will make them more profitable. <laughs> there is data everywhere that supports it. And not having a strong talent brand and treating your employees with the deserving recognition is literally a recipe for a disaster. And, and I think if you look at the multi-generational businesses, that is so much involved in why it's not a third generation company, why it's not a fourth generation, because they operate from that old fashioned methodology of yesterday versus who the employees are today. And it's not just the yesterday. We have four generations represented in the workforce and everybody loves to blame the millennials for all of our ills. And they're an amazing generation. They just won't take it. They will set up an office in their bedroom. They will buy a laptop and have an office. They will not put up with what other generations will put up. So thank them for spearheading this courageous fight to be, you know, recognized and enhanced. Absolutely. And I, although not being a millennial myself, I, I wrap my arms around it. So I think it's a, it's a great way to, uh, great way to just to take action and to move out. And again, if you're operating from a position of personal power and you have a well-formed understanding and concept of where you want to go and what it is you want to be doing, the cost of entry into getting out there and making it happen is infinitely, it's just really not, not very much compared to what it was even 10, 15, certainly 20 years ago. So that is outstanding. 
as a follow-up to the question that I had about, you know, from, from the employer's perspective, you mentioned that, you know, kind of hiring for talent as opposed to hiring for skills, which I think I've heard that terminology before, but it's been a while ago, so I, I really can't attribute it to anywhere else. So I, I really like the way that you, that you phrased that. So if, if I'm an employer and I'm looking, I'm an engineering firm owner and I'm looking to go out and hire talent, is there or are there a number of talent nodes, I'm not really sure what I would call them, but perhaps specific talent characteristics that I would want to be looking for over, again, skills. I mean, I can probably train most people how to be proficient at AutoCAD or a certain type of design methodology, but if I'm looking for specific talent skills or talent characteristics, what might those look like? I think the important thing to recognize is it's not a standalone. And what I find most disturbing is that we can have a strategic plan that encompasses a stuffed three-ring notebook and have short and long-term goals. But rarely do you see a human capital plan that aligns to that strategic plan. And what I work with, you know, in direct correlation to companies is Looking at this strategic plan and saying, really, what is the workforce that is going to be able to execute on this strategy? What do they look like from a hard skill standpoint? What do they look like from a soft skill standpoint? You know, again, I'm still seeing so much in that engineering realm, like, well, we need an engineer. We need an additional engineer. We're growing. We need an engineer. Well, where is this place within the workplace? How is he going to impact your organization? You know, what is the prototype from both a hard and soft skill standpoint that he needs to have? They don't have the answers to those questions. I mean, we're seeing job descriptions, Christian, and I'm not exaggerating, that are practically written on napkins. I mean, it's just so tactical. We need a person and it's not strategic. And the companies that are winning this war for talent, and let's talk about the war for talent as it comes to engineering. We have less millennials going into engineering and yet graduating with a plethora of opportunities that go well beyond a traditional engineering realm. They can go to Wall Street. They can go to the CIA, FBI. I mean, There are those smart organizations who recognize how they can leverage that amazing brain in a variety of different ways. Yet you see companies that are still so traditional and live in the darkness that there's even a talent shortage to begin with. So I think, you know, my first step always is let me better understand how your talent strategy aligns with your business strategy. Because you know what? It might not be a traditional job search. I'll give you a very, very specific example. I I work a lot in aerospace, and there is a type of engineer that is required for one of my companies that there is no longer a college and university that's teaching this particular type of engineering. Well, they've had this position open for two years, two years. It took God less time to create the earth. And when I suggested to them, what about potentially a retired gentleman? What about maybe setting up this old little mini university within your lunch area, within this beautiful lunch area to be exact? Let's get a contractor who can come in and teach these young individuals 
all his intellectual property, let him hand this down. And lo and behold, we got a person from Boston, Massachusetts, who was interested in a two-year contract, didn't want to officially retire. We went in and set up this little university and they trained a half a dozen of young engineers who had the soft skills and behaviors and obviously the, you know, a general engineering degree, mechanical engineering degree, but they solved the problem. And, you know, again, I think those are the type of creative outlets that we're forcing. And I mean, forcing organizations to look at to solve problems because in some delusion, they think that this talent shortage is going to get better instead of dealing with the reality that it's not. And you need to compete for talent like you're competing for customers. That's a really interesting way of flipping it around because I, even for myself, I've approached in my mindset, I'm approaching the whole relationship between a hiring company and either myself as the employee. Many of the listeners that are listening to this podcast are going to be thinking to themselves, well, I'm, I'm looking for a job. I want a job. I can't find a job. Yet um, hearing you talk, it makes me think, okay, no, there's, there's plenty of opportunity out there. It's just that perhaps either the companies don't understand what is needed or perhaps these individuals that are, that are seeking for these jobs are going about it in the wrong way. So is this an, a, a situation of mindset on behalf of the, of the individual who's looking for the job? Because Anthony and I, we get contacted a lot from individuals saying, hey, I'm, I've either just graduated or I'm in a position right now, I'm disenfranchised, I want to move, but there's nothing else out there. So is it a mindset issue from with the individual, meaning that they've put themselves into a box and they need to design their way out of that? And I've got some follow-up questions along that line. Or is this more on behalf of the, let's just call it the industry, in the way that they are approaching hiring of engineers, let's say across the board? And I know that that's going to change by industry. And again, my guess is that if I go from aerospace to architectural engineering construction, or to even to the petrochemical, it's going to be different. Right. But again, you know, we, we have to look at the decades of, you know, an individual's career. And, you know, when you're an entry level person, obviously your professional goal is to get that first position. Your strategy is getting that first position. And again, I'm liking it to a house. They need to put that foundation in the ground by which they can build that next floor, that first floor, if you will. Okay. And I can tell you, because again, recently we had uh, an organization that wanted to hire entry-level engineers and, you know, there's a disconnect with a lot of engineering programs and the work that's required. So they did a very hands-on type of exercise where they gave these young engineers a project that they want them to be involved in facilitating. Well, of the half a dozen engineers that were on site after graduating from some of the most prestigious engineering schools in New York State, no one could physically do a real world exercise, not a real life exercise. In theory, they could handle it, but not transferring the skills from education to the real world. So I can tell you there's a ton of young engineers who have never done an internship. 
We should be worried right now in undergrad how we are garnering the real work skills that are going to be required to go from college to career. Don't count on your college and university to prepare you to go from college to career because I can tell you it's not happening. So strategically, and I, I, I want to emphasize, I want to shout that word strategic. Every move you make in undergrad, once you've graduated, needs to be purposeful and it needs to be strategic. And it's all about enhancing your ability to prove to an employer that you can contribute in a way that allows them to move their company to the next level of growth. So if you know that young engineers tend to have a reputation for not having those hands-on capabilities, guess what? Go get them. Go outside, volunteer, work with companies, do a project, do a contract, whatever you can do to get real life skills. But instead, what people do is they become a victim mindset. And they say, well, there are no jobs. And one thing about your brain is when you tell your brain something, Christian, it, your brain believes you. Your brain is not going to argue with you. So if you've already made a determination that you're not going to get a position, I can assure you, you're already nine-tenths not getting a position there. That's all the right? beauty of neuro-linguistic programming. Yes, exactly. So without a doubt, I think that when we're in school, we live in this very inclusive type of world. And then when we get out, it's like Nell coming out of the forest. It's this shock. And what happens is unknowing to the young engineer, he's communicating in a language that is not one that a hiring manager, owner, entrepreneur even begin to understand because they don't get to live in theory. They get to live in reality. And it's up to them to bridge that gap not up to the employer, they will not do it. That's a great point. And I think, uh, especially this point on the uh, internship component, because I, I know that there's, a, again, a lot of young engineers that whatever their situation is, they don't go that route. They aren't able to do one. They don't do one. Again, they're gripped by fear or whatever this, you know, something is keeping them from doing that. And so they're, they're losing out on that ability to be able to have that reality, that real world experience. So they really, they come out of college with nothing more than theory and uh, in the college degree, which is a good start. But as you point out, unless you're able to be able to demonstrate how you're going to be able to bring value to the organization that you're attempting to um, become employed with, it's going to be very difficult for perhaps that organization to see what benefits you're going to bring to that company. I'd be willing to make the leap that the same holds true if I go with a mid-level or even a senior level engineer in that if they may have the experience and the real world experience, the real world application, but if they're unable to be able to articulate how their experiences can support an organization's business objectives and ultimately deliver benefits to the clients that they serve, that the same situation is going to happen where it's going to be very difficult at best for them to be able to find a job. Would that make sense or? Absolutely. You've stated it beautifully. I mean, again, I, the best way for me to describe it is employers are like Teflon. I want to hear from you about your strategic being as an employee and subconsciously and consciously I'm thinking, can this person help me? I have a problem. I have an opening. 
I need an additional person, whatever their host of issues are. They are not looking for a person to read the resume. You are not interviewing with Helen Keller or a related dysfunctional person. All right. <laughs> you are in a position where it's up to you to tell a narrative that's cohesive and shows your consistent enhancement and advancement to the extent where the employer says, wow, if this person can run the business of themselves, I want to partner with them. But you still see a ton of people who get gigs, they go to work every day, they don't take advantage of any type of tuition assistance. When you look at the tuition assistance numbers, they're woeful. I think like 26% of the population takes advantage of any type of tuition assistance. So they go in, they clock in, they do their gig, they leave. And you know what? They're never going to be downsized or they're never going to be outsourced or they're never going to, nothing's ever going to happen to them. And then when they are, the reality of this new normal economy is devastating for them. And I can speak that from firsthand. We have an outplacement company. And I can't even tell you how many weeks we spend with engineers just getting them over the sheer terror that they don't have a place to go on Monday. They're not prepared. Yeah, that's a dangerous position to be in. Yeah, an exit plan. That's what I say to everybody is, what's your exit plan? Oh, I love what I'm doing. That's not my question. That's great. What's your exit plan? God forbid, if something happened, how do you retool? How do you get back into the game? How are you prepared? Are you networking? Are you still out at events? What does your LinkedIn profile look like? What are your LinkedIn contacts? You know, what are you doing? I have a candidate that I executive coach who has a spreadsheet that he never leaves when he's looking for his next evolution in his career. He has the name of the person he met. He has the company that they worked at, the day they met, the function that they were at, and the conversation they had. And even you know, as you brought up LinkedIn, LinkedIn has even has has the capability of being able to do that now with uh, with individuals that you've linked to. You can, if you don't want to use a spreadsheet or some other type of a uh, methodology to be able yeah. to track people, you can do it through LinkedIn. So you're absolutely right. And uh, Anthony and I on the show here, I think we've footstopped numerous times in many different episodes the importance of building the network because the network that you need. When you need it, you can't just generate one out of thin air. It doesn't happen that way. It takes time to build a network of value, and you've got to be doing it all along. I really like this concept that you brought up about you know, really kind of planning that alternate plan. I think for engineers, it's, it's really difficult for me to wrap my head around that engineers would not be in a position where they've thought about risk to themselves in the most important business that they've got going on, which is their own personal business, meaning professionally, because... Something that I've always counseled uh, engineers that have worked for me, even when I was in the military, was for them to pursue professional registration and to pursue uh, professional certifications and education and consistently developing themselves and the skills that they had simply because of the fact that even though they were in technically a relatively secure government position, it didn't mean that it couldn't be taken away, that something might not happen, that Truth is, is that does happen all the time. There's always there's downsizing in the government as well, and people get shown the door. And um, you're right; it's just absolutely amazing that people don't take advantage of that because I look at that as, as an insurance policy on um, being able to have something else to fall back on. I personally, Joan, I've got what I I always have a plan A. I always have what I call branches and sequels that come off of that. So there's usually a, a plan B and a plan C, and then I have a plan Z which is if everything, literally everything else falls apart, this is what I'm going to do. 
And I think it's it also provides a level of confidence. And to quickly move into the concept that you and I have talked about in the past and previously about entrepreneurial mindset, I really view that type of a methodology. So that's really the kind of the tactics of having these, you know, these plans that you've developed, strategically developing a strategic plan for where you're going in your career and what you plan to do and why. I really view those as those are almost like entrepreneurial type skills because you're sort of building your own business, creating something from nothing to bring value to the world. Is that how you view that? Or do you have a different viewpoint of what an entrepreneur is with regards to, let's say, this discussion we're having right now about work and talent acquisition and the relationship working within a company? Yeah, no, I I truly, truly believe. And again, if you look at the trends and some say it's, you know, 2020 and some say 2025 and some say 2030, but everybody says it's the future. You know, technically, we're all independent contractors, even if it's a name on our paycheck. We truly are independent contractors because we're at will employees where a decision can be made at any particular point, as long as there isn't discrimination for you to be separated from an organization. So because of that, we have got to deal with where the work world is going. What are the trends? I mean, I gave you examples of, of a couple baby boomers that are still contributing their intellectual property in ways that they had never considered two, three decades ago. This is where the world is going. I mean, you might ultimately decide that you want to be a project manager in a multitude of different companies. You might be a remote worker for an an organization that's in India. I mean, there's just so many different dynamics of what technology is going to bring and will continue to bring to our workforce. So this whole You Inc. thing is happening now. And who's winning are the people who get it. I mean, when I'm looking at the data and measuring the difference in their earnings, I mean, we had a gentleman who came from a specialty type of food manufacturing, and he recognized that organic food, not wanting to have all these artificial sweeteners, et cetera, et cetera, were going to be all the rage. And he went out and sought knowledge in this area. And he did it for a period of years, and he just waited for the business landscape to catch up. Christian, it was like representing a professional athlete. We identified that he was one of four people in the United States who had this level of expertise. We ended up getting this guy a $75,000 sign-on bonus. They ended up buying his condominium in Vermont. I mean, you couldn't believe what this company did, this food manufacturer, just because this guy had built a toolbox that was so unique because he was looking to the future. And again, You have to look at engineers and organically who they are as people. They're very logical. They're, you know, process oriented. Are they looking to the future? Are they the most innovative? Steve Jobs was not an engineer. Bill Gates was not an engineer. They have different behavioral styles traditionally than engineers do. So behaviorally, they're not normally looking at the future and saying, what if? And I'm telling you, that's a risk that no one can afford to take in these economic times. And it will never, never go bad. 
Now we're talking about getting degrees in psychology, psychology in machines so that we can teach people how to work with their manufacturing equipment. There are jobs that we never could be dreaming of that we're filling today. So how do you posture yourselves in such a way to make you unique? There's not as many field goal kickers. So how do we get more field goal kickers? Well, guess what? You have an advantage if you can kick a ball down the field. It's just the way the business is gone. You know, so again, I just think that we need to look inward and we have to ask ourselves questions. And you know what? Go to Indeed.com. Go to the job boards. Put in your title. And see what employers are looking for today and ask yourself, am I, if I lost my job tomorrow, or let's forget about the negative part of this. If I wanted to enhance myself, am I enhanced? Am I doing enhancement? You know, uh, am I in a position where I deserve an enhancement? And those are the things that people need to be doing. The middle class in the United States is making less money than they did in 1989. And I got news for you. It's not on the rich. It's not on that 10 percentile. It's on the fact that the middle class is looking for a roadmap that doesn't exist any longer. And you need to create your own roadmap. And I would, I would be willing to argue that in most cases, engineers are uniquely qualified with the skill sets. It's just perhaps a move mentally to shift the mindset to allow yeah. them to be able to do that. So that's a great point. So, Joan, let me ask, where can people go to learn more about the work that you do with uh, both individuals and with companies? Okay, so we have two separate websites, Christian. We have APA Solutions, and that's all one word. So it's Apple Peter Apple, APA Solutions, plural, dot com. And that is our human capital consulting firm. So literally from identification to retention and development. And I mentioned, we also have an outplacement program. We service the life cycle of an employee. And again, I want to emphasize that everything we do is from a brain-based approach, not from anything that remotely resembles, you know, something that basically is unscientific. Career reform Com, and again, it's the ours touch each other is our career portal. And, you know, for your listeners, I mean, we have so many amazing webinars that people have gotten back to us and said, you know what? I listened to your two interview webinars and I got the very next position that I applied for because I saw how I was appealing more to the threat or the risk on the part of the employer versus the reward you know, thank you for giving me a reframing on that. So those are the two separate portals that we're involved in. That's uh, fabulous. And, and those will both be linked up in the show notes. And uh, for all the listeners that are out there that are on the look for a new opportunity, certainly the webinars are going to be ones that you're going to want to go check out. So we'll make sure that we get those linked up onto the uh, show notes for today. All right, so Joan's going to stay with us as we migrate over to the Take Action Today segment of the show where she's going to provide you with some actionable advice you can move out immediately with. And so we'll be back in just a moment. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Joan's going to provide you an actionable piece of advice. But before she does that, I want to recognize PPI again for their support of the Engineering Career Coach podcast. So engineers often ask me what exam prep materials review courses they should use when preparing for the FE, PE, or SE exam. And hands down, I recommend PPI. 
Now, I personally used PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo the review courses. It's why I feel confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. You can use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code COACH for a 20% discount. So, Joan, what is one key action that every engineer listening should undertake to enhance their ability to create an entrepreneurial mindset in order to create more opportunities, not only for themselves, but perhaps business opportunities for the company they work for? I would definitely say, Kristen, that you stated it earlier, and that is a shift in in mindset, looking at your background in a different way than you had in the past. If you could just start to open up your mind to the possibility that you could leverage your opportunities for growth in ways that you never imagined. Don't let the fear of change stop you from the vast amount of opportunities that exist out there. Don't count on an employer to designate your future. That's not cold. It's not callous. Take control of the most valuable thing you own yourself. You will be thrilled you did. Powerful words. And I'm looking forward to hearing from everyone who's listening to the episode today to come back and leave us some comments on on what you think about this episode. Take advantage of the websites uh, that Joan has shared. Those will be linked up in the show notes. And uh, get out there, take action, and, and make some things happen for yourself. So, Joan, thank you again for taking the time to come on the episode. Yeah, this has been fun. I I really enjoyed the conversation, and I'm glad that you were able to get this uh, scheduled and get it uh, recorded and get it out there with everyone. So everyone who's listening, I really hope you enjoyed the episode today. Anthony and I would love to hear your feedback, your comments, or your questions. You can go over to engineeringcareercoach.com and either search for this episode and leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all the comments and are going to respond if you leave us one. And you can also share your comments and ratings for the show by visiting the Engineering Career Coach podcast on iTunes. Now, the ratings that you leave there are always going to help us with overall rankings. And, of course, we'd love to hear the feedback and love to see the five stars on there. So head over to iTunes and uh, give us a rating. Let us know what we're doing. And uh, we'd love to hear that. And until next time, continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.